It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and thanks for joining us on episode four of 21 for 21, 21 lessons about sport media in the 21st century. Our first, our first three uh, episodes combined have now got 250 listens, over 250 listens, in fact, uh, across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. We're all over the place, Stuart. We're, uh, we are absolutely everywhere. So we just want to start off this episode by saying thank you very much if you're one of those 250 and if you're part of the next 250 and you're you're just new to our little podcast my name's Jamie Coles and I'm a sport journalist and my name's Stuart Levy and I'm a sports marketer we are both Brits living abroad me in Dusseldorf Jamie in Barcelona this week we're going to be taking a bit of a dive into the world of cryptocurrencies fan tokens and NFTs and we'll get into that down the line of why that's relevant to sport. Uh, this is possibly the first two-part episode uh, that we've done, Stuart. Yeah, so we've had some really nice, uh, really in-depth conversations this week. So um, I-, I saw through through my LinkedIn network a post about VFL Wolfsburg's women's team launching their own NFTs. And the two of us, we'd kind of been talking a bit about this topic anyway. And then we researched it more. And I think we... Beforehand, I think it's safe to say our knowledge of NFTs and crypto was was not not so high. Yeah, no, I, I knew knew very little. Uh, I'd seen obviously various sports teams and, and sports putting out these kind of fan tokens and NFTs, and I, I'm not a big collector of things anyway. So the the way it was pitched was like NFTs, like these digital collections, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, why? It, like I didn't, you know, yeah, I didn't it was kind of... strange. Like I can see, um, yeah, beforehand, you're right. I was seeing again. We saw. The VFL Wolfsburg story, they're launching their NFTs. Again, yeah, the there first was women's football team in the mm-hmm. world to launch an NFT. So, yeah, so it, again, I, our interest. I mean, I assumed NFTs were, were expensive. Uh, so, the first NFT I ever heard of was the first ever tweet being sold as an NFT for $2 million. So, I just didn't know who would spend $2 million on a VFL Wolfsburg NFT. Um, yeah. You could probably buy a, a lot of a big part of VFL Wolfsburg's women's team for $2 million. But as we got involved into it and, and chats with our, our interviews, um, 
I can I, I can now see I can understand what an NFT is and why I might buy one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think me too. I, I went from being very kind of a skeptic into being a almost a convert. Whether it was talking about um, you know having this kind of trading cards almost sort of system, or just in in investing and and being part of the sports that I'm passionate about. Um, so we'll get into that, and and it's probably worth kicking off from there. I think is is a good way of segging in. Um, we began by speaking to, with Joe Downey, who is uh, the chief communications officer, the head of uh, communications and public relations at NiceHash. And, well, we'll get into it and we'll let him himself explain to you who he is and what it is that NiceHash do. Yes, I'm the head of marketing and PR at uh, NiceHash. Um, been interested in cryptocurrency for a long time. Um, been working in different fields before uh, in IT. Um, and according to cryptocurrency, it's just really fascinating about the different use cases for uh, blockchain technology. I find it's really quite exciting. It's quite interesting compared to what the beginning of the internet uh, was. It's kind of this kind of atmosphere in, in the industry. Could you just talk to us a little bit about NiceHash? This is, um, from, from what I've seen on your website, kind of a, a, quite a new crypto exchange. Could you talk a little bit about, about where you guys are and, and where you're heading? Yeah, absolutely. So NiceHash has actually um, been around since 2014, okay. and we're a hash power broker. So it's quite a unique um, position in the crypto market, if you like, in the sense that we buy and sell computing power for uh, mining. So people can, for example, a user on one side, perhaps has a, a gaming PC, and they have a good graphics card, they can connect up to NiceHash and then sell their computing power which then gets forwarded on to the buyers of HashPower, uh, who will then connect to their mining pool and they will mine a cryptocurrency using that computer power. So we're basically an open exchange where we connect uh, the buyers and sellers for mining cryptocurrencies. And then we also have uh, an exchange so that the miners, uh, they all get paid in Bitcoin, regardless of whichever coin they're mining. And uh, from this, they can then exchange to other currencies if they want like Ethereum or uh, Chili's or any anything like this. Uh, I don't know about so uh, your... Stuart and his knowledge. I'm going to, have to roll back a little bit and just kind of um, what we talk about mining, and you say that people can kind of you're you're connecting um, the buyers and and the miners to to use their computer power. What what does that involve? What what is kind of mining a cryptocurrency just for the the real basic side of things? Yeah, so mining a cryptocurrency, a cryptocurrency, and I'll just start from from the, the beginning. So yeah, cryptocurrency please. is a generally decentralized uh, form of currency, which is on a digital ledger or a blockchain. Um, so that means it's in general, they're not controlled by any one entity. They're, they're simply uh, validated uh, by the miners um, around the world who are connecting up their computer power. And what they're doing by actually mining is uh, they're solving very complex mathematical um, problems, if you like, uh, it's called hashing. So they are solving the hashes in order to, to get reward for the block. So when someone sends uh, cryptocurrency from one person to another, this is uh, included in a block. And then the block gets verified by the miners uh, to prove its authenticity, that it's the, the true um, transaction. So there can be no double spending or, or cheating or anything like this or, or fraud. So the miners are really there to protect the network to verify the network and to validate the, the transactions. 
So essentially replacing what um, what a bank or a visa would do uh, in this sense, if you compare it to a traditional model. So that, that's all really interesting. Certainly sort of a side of cryptocurrency I had no idea of. Uh, I, I'd heard much more about the investment side of it, you know, buying and selling Bitcoin or Ethereum or, or, or whatever it is. What's the kind of, can you talk a little bit now about the kind of current state of things on that side of it in, in terms of sort of investments, investors and traders? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the crypto industry, as we know, it's pe most people have heard of Bitcoin um, and Ethereum, I think. They're the two most well-known or the most talked about in the mainstream uh, media. Yeah. And Bitcoin is kind of really the first um, major cryptocurrency. There was a few ex experiments before it, uh, but Bitcoin was the first one that was really successful and took off. And to date, it's still the most successful one, um, dis despite all the other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum um, trying to solve other issues. It's still the most, uh, the biggest one, the most popular one. But you've got uh, Ethereum tried to basically build on what um, Bitcoin started with by adding a smart contract functionality to it. And many other projects have now followed suit and are doing the same uh, the same thing. They're trying to solve the, the flaws which Bitcoin has, which is essentially speed and scalability, the two of the big ones, uh, because it can only process so many transactions uh, per block. So if you're comparing it to the traditional uh, Visa, for example, it's much, much uh, slower per, uh, per transaction as you're sending. And you cannot uh, build so many things upon it. Whereas with Ethereum, you can build into it smart contracts. So you can, you can put a contract up there, which is on the blockchain. And anything that's on the blockchain is uh, immutable, so it cannot be changed. So it's a very good way to to do some kind of uh, loan contract or uh, even to transfer an asset, like uh, to sell a deed for a house, for example, if it's on the blockchain, it's concrete, it's like it cannot be cannot be modified. So there are many, many ways that you can build upon it. And that's what we're seeing at the moment is more projects trying to, um, to solve the, um, the issues, if you like, of doing more things with the technology. So we have currencies, which, which work, uh, then we have places which are trying to do smart uh, contracts, places which are more focused on asset transfer. Uh, and uh, for example, the, the sport tokens is another, uh, NFTs is another feature of this, but that kind of comes under asset transfer. So what, what we're really seeing is people trying to, um, to solve the scalability and the speed. This is the main, uh, the main thing people are working on at the moment, I would say. So that would be the biggest issue for those working and, and trading in cryptocurrency. It's, it's it's scaling up, would you say, or is it choosing which projects suit uh, joining a, a blockchain and which should more traditional payment methods should be used? Would you say they're the top two issues? Or yeah, so for from an investing point of view, it's more about uh, yeah. This I mean, there's a lot of things happening in crypto. There's a lot of uh, projects which you know boom for a very short time and then fail. There's a lot of ups and downs with it. It's very, very volatile. Um, and we see that with even with Bitcoin, its price goes up and down and it's influenced by many factors. But when you're when you're looking at um, investing, you're you're looking at what the project is doing and what's what's its long-term potential. Um, if you're looking at it from a from an investment point of view, which a lot of people right now are kind of speculating and um, almost betting on which which project is gonna be the one that that makes it, you know, that solves the, mm -hmm. the thing and becomes the, the biggest one. Um, so there's a lot of room for, for that. Yes, I guess that's why it's come into 
our our radar for our purpose of our, our podcast was with the issues of <clears throat> socios and their fan tokens how they are the shirt sponsors so the on jersey sponsors of valencia and inter milan and they have a partnership with a lot of other other teams as well so from how you've what you've summarized so far the purpose of socios it is a regular cryptocurrency with the same issues and benefits as you've been describing but targeted at so my main question is so there's, there's the two shirt sponsors there's an inter milan socio fan token and a valencia one are they two different cryptocurrencies or are they the same socio cryptocurrency just with different brand names for the different teams as far as you're you're aware or as far as you would expect this to be yeah, so Socios is the main platform and, and the main uh, currency, if you like. Mm -hmm. And the tokens are basically built on top of this. So you have, yeah, then you can have many different tokens with different brands or names um, on top of this. So basically anyone can go onto the Socios network mm -hmm. and build upon it their own token. So for, for example, yeah, Manchester City or Valencia or, or any club like this, they can create their own token onto this. It will, ha will have its unique uh, unique properties, um, but it's built, all built on the same same project, same platform. Okay, so by is it a fan token? Oh, is it, is that the same thing as a cryptocurrency? So is Manchester City fan token a cryptocurrency, or just based on the socio existing platform? Yeah, so it's it's a cryptocurrency, and that's a currency. Okay, yeah, and that can be traded on exchanges. So if you um, if you go to some of the bigger cryptocurrency exchanges, you can see like Barcelona token, Valencia token, this, uh, and they can all be traded uh, separately mm -hmm. because they are they fluctuate in value based on um, different things. But based on, uh, mm -hmm. for example, what's happening at the club, um, a good example of this was with uh, when Messi just moved to PSG. We mm -hmm. saw the fan token for PSG skyrocket uh, based on the news that Messi was coming. So things, I think he was, um, he was like paid in, in a fan token as well, actually. I think as part of his signing on fee, I don't know what percentage, but whether it was just a symbolic one or whether it was a significant amount, but he did get some fan tokens as part of his signing on fee. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they haven't released the exact percentage, but I think no. it was quite a lot. <laughs> I've seen quoted in the media a large amount of the, the PSG fan token, which is on the, the, the Socios platform, which, yeah. So it's, it's curious to see how they, they fluctuate. Also on the results of matches, we saw towards the end of the Champions League last season, the Manchester City one kind of took a bit of a spike against uh, some of the other clubs because they were favourites to win the Champions League. Um, so that's quite interesting. So we've kind of, and it was a good question from Stuart because like, for the uninitiated like myself, it's sort of like, what's a cryptocurrency or what's a fan token? And I, so I think we've kind of seen that, that they're very similar, right? And, and like you said, they're built on the same kind of platform. So then the next step along from that, I think, is is what's an NFT? Because this has kind of been a big keyword, a big buzzword in, in the media lately. And again, I'm kind of like, I've just sort of managed to wrap my head around like how Bitcoin and Ethereum work more or less. And now I've got like fan tokens and NFTs to deal with. Um, so do you, could you sort of explain to us the, the kind of difference there again? Yeah, so with a, a fan token, it's like, um, yeah, so it's a cryptocurrency. So it's fungible in the sense that one has the same value as the other. So we can compare compare this to um, a euro or um, a British pound, if you like. Uh, so you give, I give you one pound, 
and uh, you get one back, the value is the same. So they're, they're fungible, they're interchangeable. Whereas with an NFT, it's a non-fungible token. So these are not fungible. So everyone is unique and has a different, uh, a different value. So in this sense, it's closer to uh, art. And that's why art has become so popular with NFTs is because it follows very much the same kind of collector's uh, mindset in the sense that there's only one Mona Lisa. There might be many copies of it, but the original, there is only one and it's unique. So it's it would be a, an NFT if you like, it's a non-fungible item, a non-fungible token. Uh, so that's really the main difference between fungible and, and non-fungible. And NFTs have become huge in the last year, um, partly because of this uh, collector mindset. And it's basically an extension, a digital extension of of the traditional collector's uh, field or industry, if you like, uh, in the sense that it's just an evolution of that. Um, it's kind of crazy how we see, you know, pictures, uh, a JPEG or a picture uh, sold for millions of dollars um, on the internet. So it's just a picture that you can still copy. You know, you can copy the picture itself and download it and, and look at it. But it's Indeed. the same if you compare this to an art. We also spoke this week to Philip Harold, who is the chief marketing officer of FanZone, who are a marketplace for NFTs. And Philip will, of course, explain that as we speak. Uh, so my name is Philip Harold. Uh, I've been in the sports business industry for about 10 years now. Um, I have a classic background in media rights trading um, sponsorship agencies, and uh, I've been in sports tech for about five years now. Uh, I've been working with Connexon before, a real-time tracking company. That's uh, also very interesting. And uh, yeah, I've been with FanZone for pretty much half of the, uh, the company's life cycle, so half a year now, and uh, FanZone is about a year old. And uh, yeah, I oversee all the commercials there. So it is my job to, to find the right business model, to uh, acquire partners, to uh, look into, the, yeah, into the, the partnership space of NFTs, what the right strategy is. And uh, that's what I do every day. I speak to a lot of different rights holders from a lot of different sports across the world. And it's very interesting to see how, how far, ahead of them, uh, far ahead some of them are and how steady and uh, still some others are. Okay. okay, great. So when you're sort of speaking to uh, these these rights holders, so FanZone, it's you actually produce the NFTs or, or you just you just market them? Exactly. We're we're building a community at the moment. So we're a community driven platform um, where we believe that that's the key to success when it comes to the NFT game in general. Um, building the community in regard to activity, marketplace, but also chatting, games, fantasy sports challenges. That's that's what we're looking for. We do not believe in, in the single drop situation so much that's happening around the world where, where single athletes or, or companies try to drop NFTs for one specific purpose and then that's it. We try to, to engage the fans to give NFTs a specific utility. Um, so yes, we mint the NFTs. We are on the Luxo blockchain, which is one of the youngest blockchain um, there is out there. Um, high efficient energy efficient super fast um and it's uh yeah it's it, it's been great in terms of looking at where the space is going because we're helping luxo and luxo is helping us um and we see we see amazing potential um on this on this side of the business i'm going to take this opportunity then because we spoke to um joe from nice hash you talked about some of the issues 
uh, with the various blockchains, sort of gas fees and the time it can take to process the, the hashes and stuff. What is it about Luxo then that sets that blockchain apart from, as someone that doesn't really know a lot about blockchains technology either, um, I'm quite curious to see kind of like the differences in, in one blockchain from another. Sure. So um, when you look at, so I'm, I'm not a techie myself, right? So I cannot write code, um, but I've I've under, I've understood uh, enough, I think, to maybe bridge bridge the the knowledge gap here. When you look at different blockchains and different coins, I think that's the easiest way to explain it. When you look at the block uh, the blockchain of Bitcoin, for example, the Bitcoin blockchain, um, we can say that this is pretty much the oldest blockchain there is out there, right? This that was the very first one. So let's compare it with uh, the diesel engine from the 1950s, right? That's that's where it comes from. Super uh, inefficient when it comes to energy consumption. It's super old, it takes a lot of time to mint, it takes a lot of time to prove uh, who owns what, who, uh, who owns which coin. And that's why that's why this is in, in that section, right? That's, that's the older one. So the newer versions of blockchains have a different approach. So there's proof of work and proof of stake blockchains. That's, that's probably the, the biggest difference. And that results in, Two, two things that are connected, and one is how long does it take to mint? How long does it take to uh, switch wallets, for example? Gas fees are a big thing that everyone is talking about, obviously. And ultimately, and I think we're not talking enough about this at the moment, and but it will, it will happen soon, is with all these servers that are connected, with, with all the time that it takes to mint, with all this time it takes to transfer one, one token to another wallet, the energy consumption that is included in this is crazy high, specifically for the older older blockchains like uh, like the Bitcoin blockchain or the old Ethereum blockchain. Obviously, Ethereum is working working towards the Ethereum 2.0 um, version, which is great. And Luxo, one of one of the uh, founders or architects, what they're called, um, is is Fabian Vogelsteller, and he is. He's one of the Ethereum co-founders or one of the, the standard, uh, he created the ERC-20 standard, token standard. So he's taking all his knowledge from the Ethereum blockchain and is now converting it into, into a new blockchain, more efficient, quicker, um, and energy a lot more energy saving. And so I guess that kind of technology in terms of energy saving and speed lends itself well to NFTs. Brilliant. Because yeah. they're traded so frequently or they, or, you know, perhaps I don't know how it works sort of in a transfer window. But if a player moves teams, you need to mint a new a new NFT to to match that new profile of the player. Uh, and so speed is of the essence quite often for for this technology for, for you guys. Absolutely. When we look at when we look at look at it from the user perspective and look at it from usability, then when I trade a player, then obviously I want that NFT card to directly leave my wallet and be confirmed actually in real time, right? That's what we want. Sure. Um, however, older blockchains are just not capable of it. Not because they are bad, just because they're a little older, right? That the purpose of what it was written for originally, what it was, what it was created for has a different purpose. And, but now that's, that's obviously changing. And what we believe in is that it, it, it will go in that direction that different blockchains will be will be will survive for different purposes that's okay, so that's just, what it's about right some yeah, so just, oh, sorry yeah i'm gonna go, go i just want to say that when we look at it from a from a decentralization perspective the more decentral the blockchain is the, the safer it is right this is like really in a nutshell and really like basic mm -hmm. 101 the way i understand it right um 
decentralization is a big thing. So the more decentralized, the more the more power it takes to prove something. The less decentralized it is, the the easier it is to the quicker it goes. But also, obviously, it's it's not as safe. So we need to find the middle here. The crazy thing is, we're talking about a database approach. And let's be honest, how boring are databases, right? So ultimately, for the user, for fans, for for people out there, with we're we're discussing a back-end discussion where we actually where the people only see a front end right um so that's this is what i love about this technology is but actually it's not in the real focus of it and at the same and then at the same time and at the same time it is everything and i think that's that's pretty interesting yeah so just um so from you said the the older um blockchain so so with, with bitcoin when you say they're not always as fast does that means that they're taking two minutes in, instead of real time so would you or are we taking talking hours or, or days to transfer the, well, the ownership so, yeah sometimes it can take uh, when, when i started when i started buying my first nfts about yeah nine nine to ten months ago um sometimes it takes a day 24 hours to yeah. to actually have have the the nft actually transferred in your wallet so what what many marketplaces or what many applications uh, or, or websites do is they give you obviously there's still a, a way of that OpenSea, for example it's still hosted on a server right it's only it's only the backend that's connected that's connected to the to the blockchain same like fanzone.io there's also a part of it that's uh, that's uh, that's saved on one server so as a user, you get the impression that you've got it already, so you see it, but it's still it's still connected to um, obviously to to the blockchain, where then that takes twenty about twenty four hours sometimes. Yeah. By decentralized, you mean just on various servers and gaming PCs, miners throughout the world is what you mean by by decentralized. Exactly. Yeah. So it could it could be a, a big server, but it could also be a little Raspberry Pi. It could be anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but please keep in mind. Um, I'm a business guy, right? I, I see this from a business perspective. I'm, I'm sure that I've said 10 wrong things now that where, where real, real tech people that are able to code will tell me that's absolutely wrong what I just said. This is the way how I see it from a business perspective. This is what I've understood what is amazing. Um, so that's, you know, my, my job and my passion is to take new technology and to translate it into the old world, right? To, to, to show the old marketing world the old sports business world of what is it that we can do now when you look at when you look at the potential yes like we're giving out current squads right we're giving out current teams of of of, of i don't know the 21 22 season let's look at all of the amazing pictures all of the amazing video footage that we have from the last 60 70 80 years from all the different sports and suddenly we can create a value because we can make it unique and that's new revenue. So we spoke with MotoGP earlier, and they have their own NFT trading cards. So you mean by the unique? So a trading card might be uh, Valentino Rossi's helmet. So can, can you, if I'm not sure, can you kind of explain, Joe, how that's unique? So how why how does the technology work, which means nobody else can own this Valentino Rossi helmet? Yeah. So the way it works is that. Well, on the blockchain, everything is timestamped, so there's there's no denying who has the first the first one who has it. It's it's like there in 
cannot be changed. So if you, uh, the NFT basically transfers the ownership. So for example, the, the author of it would be the um, MotoGP mm-hmm. and they then transfer the ownership of that unique item. So his Valentino Rossi's helmet to the person who buys it. And that ownership is then set in stone. If you like, it's, it's nobody can die that, nobody can deny that that person then owns it. And this is why NFTs have become very popular for you know, sports uh, sports um, teams and, mm-hmm. and things like this in general. So is it all made? Uh, because if you, you sell it on, that ownership then gets passed on on the blockchain to the next person. So if you sell it to someone else. So you're basically just buying the ownership. Okay. So if I've bought this MotoGP trading card and I sell it to Jamie, how do I use something like NiceHash to register the change of NFT ownership or... Is that back? How does that specifically work? I... Yeah, for NFTs, it's uh, you would need to go to um, an NFT marketplace. Okay. And this would depend where the NFT had been created. So different marketplaces are on different platforms. Um, mm-hmm. Ethereum is the biggest one at the moment. Okay. Uh, they have uh, OpenSea. It's the most famous um, marketplace. Mm-hmm. So it's something like a, you can think of it something like eBay, if you like, where you go and you find what you want to buy. Oh, okay. Okay. And you can buy it there and you can also a lot of them are on auction as well so they're like auctioned items so these things as they're they're unique one-offs they they can fluctuate in value as well is that am i right in thinking that sort of from a perspective exactly, yeah. of someone that might buy you know okay it's cool to say i own the digital rights to valentino rossi's helmet or whatever it, it, it may be and i think i think part of the problem is this idea of ownership and and but you know, I don't know, if something happens and Valentino's Rossi helmet becomes more valuable than Mark Marquez helmet, for example, um, I could then sort of cash that in and, and take a profit on that. Exactly. That's that's where NFTs are really popular and, and taking off a lot because people realize they can be they can be influenced by events. So for, for a sports team is a perfect example of this. You know, if um, let's say Man City or whatever wins the Champions League, if there was some unique NFT from that team, it would skyrocket in value because of the external event to to the team, to the to the NFT. So, and you could say the same for the, the motorbike helmets. If he, he wins all of the, the races, it's very likely that I, that token will, will rise in value. But for the purpose of, so for, again, to use the, the MotoGP example, so what? how does Moto, is this a almost a license to print money for at MotoGP? So they currently have a 2021 range of NFTs on their website. So in 2022 season, do they just say, yeah, we now have 2022 versions of Valentina Rossi's helmet or Mar- Mark Marquez's bike? What actual work in the, what are the production costs for MotoGP in creating these NFTs? Yeah, so when they when you produce an NFT, you pay a, a certain cost to to mint. It's called. So it's like mm-hmm. you can think of it as like uh, printing a currency. Okay. So you pay a certain fee to mint it. Um, and Ethereum has some issues with this because they have very high gas fees. They're called. It's basically transaction fees, and and they can get very very high because there's so much congestion on the network. Um, so that's one of the issues they have to to deal with. Um, and this kind of raises the value because you're then paying extra for the transaction fee as well as the item that you're buying. So that can sometimes get really ridiculous. Um, so that's that's one of the, the downsides to the NFTs. But from the team's perspective or the, the MotoGP who is creating this, they could create new series every year. Um, and then in 10 years time, you know, the first 
the first year series will probably be a lot more valuable than the most recent one, for example. So we, we've seen, obviously, what, what you said, you're currently working with the, the DFB and other clubs in Germany. So you mean that if you were to release a pack of NFTs from, I don't know, the 1954 World Cup winning team, would that almost be a a great money spinner for you guys? Because you could just create different collectibles from that squad and just upload them to your platform and people can buy and trade? Is, is that what you mean from a practical level of how that will work? That's how, that's how it would work. But mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, you need you need the approval by the original rights holder, right? You need the you need the approval by then probably FIFA. You probably need to find some sort of agreement with German Football Federation, and also with the players, right? They they also have the right to their own picture. So yeah, but that's 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 how it works. And then, you know, what I love about the space at the moment is that everyone is everyone is going in a specific direction right we're talking about fantasy gaming we're talking about collecting we're talking about gamified collectibles we're talking about video nfts photo nfts there there are so many amazing artworks of nfts we'll see we'll see so many different utilities right maybe the two of you and maybe us maybe the three of us will create an ultimate expedia like platform where all of the nfts of all of the basketball teams or all of the football teams will have a utility. And then that comes together again. And we're only at the beginning, right? This is just getting started. The usage and the utility of NFTs are just getting started right now. And yes, there's, there's a lot of money thrown around. I mean, we, we've seen that in the last two weeks, there's Fanatics, SoRare, and uh, Dapper Labs, who've, I think, collectively um, now got a valuation of, um, I think, like, 20 million, uh, 20 billion, sorry, 20 billion. So yeah, the yeah, three billion. companies are valued at 20 billion. Hello, what's happening here? Well, that's brilliant. I love it. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's, it's a tech space that's, that everyone can trust in because it's so transparent. Do you think we're going to see a, a bit of a, you know, I'm a creator, I make videos of sports. It's, it's, do you think we're going to see a little bit of a, a, another creator boom? You know, we saw it kind of in, in YouTube a few years ago. Are we going to see it again now? Because people want to create stuff that can be minted into an NFT and, and monetized in that way. Yes, I believe we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna see a new a new group of people that are that are valued for their NFT creation potential, that are valued for their for their for their mindset, that are valued for their talent in in, in NFT creation, that have understood the NFT what's possible with nfts because it's not only digitizing a picture right that's not that's not what an nft is about it's and this is what i love about the blockchain again is it gives the original creator a value i remember 20 years ago when i when i started downloading music legally of course yeah <laughs> um I, I, I would download an mp3 file and i would be able to send it to you Stuart, and to you jamie and then we would all have the mp3 file that is really, sorry, shitty for, for the original creator because he or she does not see any, any money in this. So now we're giving, the blockchain gives power back to this because it solves a problem that we've created with the World Wide Web that everything is shareable, everything is, is dividable and we can, we can just share it. I'm not saying that this will go away. I'm saying it gives another value again to the original creator and we can, we can limit the amount of things that are out there and I think that is good and natural and healthy to to content creators. The theme, Joe, uh, is of our 
podcast. It's 21 lessons for sport and media. So, and if you've been really good to share a lot of insights with us, but if you can say where this is going, could you summarize in a, in a couple of sentences for our lesson for this chat, how, what as as fans or as working in the, in the industry can, can learn from, from these new, new technologies. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we see that the blockchain technology is, is uh, solid. It's something that's, it's here to stay. And it's only going to grow. It's only going to continue to, to be involved in more aspects of, of life. And sports is one of the, the areas that it's really, uh, we see it really breaking into very fast and being adopted very quickly. So I think the, the takeaway is that the, um, the fan tokens are really, really cool way to, to use blockchain, blockchain technology. And we're, we're only going to see more of it from now on, I think. I mean, yeah, I don't know about you, Jamie. This has been two really interesting discussions this week. I don't know if you guys are listening, uh, listening or watching on YouTube, but if you see our faces on the YouTube version, we were in amazement at times at some of the the insights we were getting from from Philip and Joe. Yeah, uh, and I hope it's been just as insightful for you guys listening. Uh, stay tuned because we are going to bring a part two of this podcast. Um, we're going to get into a bit more depth about uh, NFTs and, and how they, they're used. And we've got a, some great examples uh, from Philip. We're also going to be bringing a case about how MotoGP uh, have launched their fan tokens and NFTs this year. And uh, we'll get into a bit more depth about that and what that means for the sport and for the fans. Because I think that's the next step, Stuart, on this. You know, we kind of know a bit now about how the blockchain not works, but what, what's going on and, and what the kind of landscape of cryptos and nfts and fan tokens is and so now i kind of want to see how that really relates to sport both for the sports and the athletes and and as the fans yeah i mean as as we said at the start um how has this nft has gone from people buying the first ever tweet to something you can buy every week almost as part of your routine as part of your fandom of a certain sporting property what does that mean for the everyday fan and why might someone buy an nft and what can you do with them Absolutely. So uh, thank you very much to Joe and to Philip for, for contributing to this podcast. Thanks for you guys for listening. Yeah, and we'll see you next week for part two. Thanks very much, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.